0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steel Curtain
2: Network. Speak up the piquets! up of
3: all right pittsburgh Steelers fans welcome back to another episode of the steelers preview i am jeff hartman we are the steel curtain network and the triumphant trio is back dave schofield is with us what's up dave
2: not too much jeff it's uh the lull has officially begun
3: womp, womp, womp. that's right it is many cams done brian davis what's up brian yeah. Hey
1: guys. It's great to be here. That's the, uh, this is the one saving grace that I get to hang out with you guys and talk Steelers. You know, this week is kind of to me like in baseball. If you're a Pirates fan, you experience the dog days of August. Well, the dog days of June are, uh, are upon us now. So you, there's going to be less action, but if there is action, you're going to find it here on steel curtain
3: network. All right, so let's let's do a little activity. Since we brought up the law already, give me a prediction: one storyline event, something that's going to happen before training camp at the end of July. Dave, what is it? I'll take the low hanging fruit. It's an Alex Highsmith extension. Okay, I figured someone would say that. Brian, do you have another one? Yeah,
1: I, yeah, Dave. That was re- that was so low hanging that <laughs> it was on the ground, and Dave tripped over it. That's how low <laughs> that one was. Uh, you know what I'm going to say that there the Steelers are going to be linked to uh, linked to more players. There's going to be uh, Omar Khan's not going to stop as you broke some uh, you broke a great source story last week. you know that kind of stuff is going to continue to happen because there are a lot of players out there that have the FA next to them designation and not three letters to signify a team. There's somebody that there's a lot of players right now that do not know where they are going to be vacationing in August.
3: Yeah, no, you're right. And Amon J. Singh gives us a dollar 99. He said a dollar 99 to the lull to the lull. to the low. <laughs> hey. Thank you very much. Eamon. We appreciate the tip as always. Anyone that gives us a tip, we do appreciate it. Um, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to be specific. I'm going to say that they sign, Juan Alexander, that they find a way to bring him in. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Chase Young, didn't you? But I hope no, they... No, I, no, Oh, no. I, uh, I thought you were just
2: going to say an inside linebacker. No, I was specific. You, I'm you had to be specific. Wow. Yeah, I'm naming names. You, I, I, thought, I, I, I thought position was specific enough.
3: No, I'm naming names. If Jay <laughs> signed Chase Young, I'm going to go on Twitter and just do the biggest DX crotch chop ever and just be like to all those haters out there, both in well, Washington, they'd, they'd
2: have to trade for him, but yeah. Still, whatever.
3: If they yeah. get him, if they acquire him, they're you're just gonna see Jeff. If you see Jeff do it, like I'll put a gif out there of DX. That's but what it's for. All those you, haters out there.
2: But Jeff, you kept saying over and over oh, and over that the Steelers are very interested. That that's true, but yeah. just what just because you're interested doesn't mean that you can work it out right now.
3: So it, it's Interesting. not just yeah pending move. Yeah. It just means they're interested.
2: Yeah. That that they will actually, you know, you know, pick up the phone. they you know, not not answer the phone. Pick up the phone and dial the number to see what's going on. The, yeah. the, there's a difference there between, you know, that that's what we said last year when it came to Chase Claypool at the trade deadline. we're, we're saying, you know, if you're the Steelers, you're not necessarily picking it up and 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 you know I, I'm We'll even go old school rotary phone sticking your finger in the number and turning it and waiting for it to <laughs> click back and all that other stuff you're you're not even doing that but if it rings, you're going to pick it up. This isn't even something like that that the Steelers might say, you know what let's let, let's dial that in and just see what this would take That's a big deal for the Steelers to to, to be yeah. in that
3: boat it, it's it's worth a phone call and I appreciate it. Reginald Rivers asked a question that a lot of people have asked and honestly, I asked the same question and that was he said he doesn't want Chase young in Pittsburgh because it means that you're giving up on highsmith. I, See, I don't necessarily mean I don't necessarily think that, that that the two are exclusive that if you were to acquire Chase Young even if it were just for this year that it means that you can't sign Alex Highsmith to an extension of any kind. Um Dave you were going to say something go ahead.
2: When when you first had that out there as as the as as the you know inside information that the Steelers are interested. I'm like, I, I get that they're interested. I would I think it makes more sense next offseason when he'll likely be a free agent. Yep. Um, I, I think that would make more sense. I don't know about giving up you know draft capital unless you're doing one of these swap picks or whatever, because they're really just wanting to move him, things, things of that nature. But I mean, to me, is he he's like a JJ Watt he doesn't play the same position as TJ Watts. That's what I said. He is a 4-3 defensive end. That is not a 3-4 outside linebacker. So is he on the defensive line? Like if you look him up on, on a pro, pro Football Reference, they have his position as defensive line. Okay? You don't see that with someone like Alex Highsmith or or TJ Watts. So that was kind of my question is I'm like – where does he fit? Does he fit as an edge rusher? There, I mean, he's he's not big enough to really be a defensive lineman. My goodness, he's 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 smaller than Demarvin Leal, at least according to Pro Football Reference. Uh, I don't know what he is now. They they probably have yeah. data from his combine, so I, I couldn't tell you for sure because he doesn't play on the Steelers. So therefore, I'm not going to pay as much attention. I just don't know how much he fits and I'm not letting bad talk at all. So I
3: should, well, the sourced <laughs> information, the sourced information said that players in their prime. So this, this eliminates like people at the end of their career. So you figure Cam Hayward falls into that category. Patrick Peterson as well. It's not that they're not going to make plays. It's that we're talking about players that are in their prime, that the Steelers have two, two big time playmakers. And we know that's TJ Watt and that's Make Fitzpatrick. They want to add more playmakers and that's where this all got started so brian we'll throw it over to you i haven't had a chance to i heard you on bad language on monday at noon on our audio side you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching steel curtain network but still i haven't had the chance to talk with you about this on a show what's your take on the whole chase young thing
1: well first of all there's there's a lot of discussion right now in the Slack channel about the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3 and Dave brought that up too. You know what I I almost think that uh, we really can't classify defenses anymore. And it's because you know what you might start out in a 3-4 and that might be your base defense but everything everything is so specialized and there's so much creativity and we saw that last year with uh, the combination of uh terrell austin and brian flores and you're probably going to see more of that this year there's going to be a lot of wizardry so if you bring a guy like that in i don't think it means the end for alex highsmith but something a conversation that jeff and i had just a private conversation we were we were just talking about uh, you know what maybe this is you know a case that maybe it's a a little bit of a message to uh the agent of Alex Highsmith to say, hey, you know, there's other alternatives out there. You know, there's that could be. You don't think that they're going to play that game, but in business, you play that game. This reminds me, and I I got this mostly out of uh, Jim Wexel's book, which you can check out the Steel City Insider Wednesdays here on Steel Curtain Network with Jim Wexel. This, something he brought up from 1996, when the Steelers lost Leon Searcy. Leon Sears, he was the number one pick in the 1992 draft. The actually the first pick in the Bill Cowher era. And what happened was his agent patched him in on the phone and let him listen to the negotiations, the pre-negotiations and them saying that he is not worth it. And so he heard it and he was pissed and he said, I hey, just get me out of here. Now he wishes that he didn't do that. He wishes he would have stayed with us because he thought his career would have been better if he would have stayed with the Steelers. But he realized after the fact that organization, any business has to play those negotiation games. And in private conversations with an agent that shouldn't have been shared, it's something that you bring up to go ahead and put heat on them to make them think that, hey, this is the offer you need to do this to stay or you will be going elsewhere. So it's something that it's it's nothing personal. It wasn't personal to CRC. Anything going on right now isn't personal to that of uh, Alex Highsmith either. It's just a situation where that's the games you, that are being played in business. Hate to say that they have to play games, but that's exactly what happens. Now, as far as bringing a Ch- a Chase Young in, I've seen other teams bring in a young superstar like that and find room for him. And I really think the idea of spelling, you know, making sure that you don't see T.J. Watt with oxygen in the fourth quarter and taking off plays, I think you could find room for everybody. This is not a Melvin Ingram, the the third situation here.
3: Okay, so... (laughs) Let's downshift a little, Dave, unless Uh, you have something else. I I just
2: I wanted to throw some numbers out to it. Go
3: ahead and do that now.
2: Well, well, if if you're going to move away from Chase Young, just to remember his his base salary this year is is league minimum, 1.01 million. But he's got a roster bonus of $4,313,219. These are all according to OverTheCap.com. That is due August 5th. So ultimately... That's five point three two three two one nine million dollars is what it would be. But that August fifth number, I don't know exactly how that would work. So that's really what it would be for the one year. Um, so just, yeah, in case people were wondering what that was.
3: It's interesting. So the one thing that comes to mind, and this does tie in with the title of today's podcast, which is about expectations, is my thought from the moment i've was given this information, very credible source. I want to keep reiterating that. This is not just like some, you know, Joe down the street in downtown Pittsburgh who heard from a barber who also cut so and so's hair that this is a possibility. This is not that. If they don't get Chase Young, and I honestly don't think they will, if they know. don't get Chase Young, I still think they're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I really do still think the defense will be okay. I do like the acquisitions that they've made, both in the draft and free agency. That's top to bottom. That's outside linebacker. Yes, concerns about inside, but that's not, that's not the here nor there. Think about where we started at the end of last season. Think about where we are now entering the lull. And I want to ask you, so every step along the way, you talk about the new league year begins, free agency starts. Okay, players go, players come. That's awesome. The draft comes seven new players signed. Fantastic. We know how that all worked out. Now you've gotten some new faces also added in. Uh, and here we are. Uh, how, what is it? Six weeks, Dave? Until training the, camp?
2: The, the first practice of training camp, which is unpadded, is exactly six weeks from today.
3: All right. So I want to know if you all think, and in your opinion, and people in the live chat can let us know as well. Have your expectations for 2023 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, have they changed in any way so far? It could be, yes, they've gone up. I have higher expectations now. It could be, uh, yes, they've changed. It's gotten worse. I don't think they're going to be as good. Or, no, they haven't changed at all. It's pretty much the same as it was the last time we had one of these big events like the NFL draft. We're going to start with Brian here. Brian, What do you think in terms of expectations? Have your expectations changed at all? And if so, which way? They have gone up remarkably.
1: And Mm. the reason they have is because look at where the expectations were. Saw a lot of people put the Pittsburgh Steelers as fourth in the division. And that's still happening in some instances. Yeah, I've seen them as high as third. Very rarely outside of the 4-1-2. Do you see them second or first? Now, a lot of people here have high expectations, but look at the AFC. The AFC is stacked. If this is an NFC team, if this is an NFC um, situation, the Steelers would be probably considered a division winner or uh, a definitive uh, number five seed. You know, they would be considered that high. This is a good team, and they added a lot in the draft. They added guys that could help them now and possibly in the future. They're, they're free agency. They did more in free agency than we have ever seen them do. And the uh, the worst position that everybody's worried about, and Jeff just brought it up, was inside linebacker. Really don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks it is. I love a Landon Roberts, and I'm really excited about Cole Holcomb, especially the fact that he's wearing the green dot. So there's a lot to that. They, when they bring these guys in, a lot of people didn't know Cole Holcomb that well. I've heard of him, you know, and that goes back yeah. to stuff we were talking about in March. A Landon Roberts, I've followed for a long time because it seems like I'm always watching the Patriots because they're always on. And he was a very good player. He was a good player in Miami as well. So this is a guy that we were hoping that would come into the mix last year. A lot of us were talking that if you can get a landed Roberts in 2022, that that would be a big win. Now you get him in 2023 and it's just ho-hum. It's, it's not any, not a big deal because that's what people are saying right now. So I really think the inside linebacker position still might be the weakest on the team. But if you ask me, if that's the weakest on the team, then that's pretty good. That's like being the shortest guy on the basketball team and you're still six, nine.
3: Yeah. Now, Brian, I, I, I'm a guy that likes to give tangible aspects of our audio show. So you said it went up tremendously, your expectations. Yes. You, yeah, you stand absolutely. by. It. So if we were to give a number. The thing about like what win total before, what would your number have been? And then where did it go now? Dave's looking up the predictions. Oh, I know. I could.
2: I could. I'm pretty sure his win <laughs> total the day, the night that the schedule came out. Right, I have yeah. those. I'm pretty sure we had the same one as eleven, didn't we? I Brian? think it was
1: eleven and six. Yeah. And
3: look, this so was a that was
2: that was pretty Homerist. Well, no, it's, it's, yeah. it was no, homer.
3: Horseback. Homer was my prediction, but still. Oh, yours because, wasn't as homer as the year like before. Thirteen, I think. Yeah, but still. So your expectations? Let's say it was eleven. What did it go up to?
1: Well, it was well originally. Originally, at the beginning of the season, it it was probably around nine and eight before the draft.
3: Okay. And
1: this is a team that went nine and eight last year. Right. It's hard for me to say that this is not a better team than what we saw last year. The improvements, the additions far outweigh any subtraction. So what number? I'm saying right now that I I think my expectations went up to 11 or maybe 12. Got you.
3: All right, that, that's fine. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for that tangible number that we can all wrap our head around. So when you say that they've gotten better, that's great. Now, while Dave's still looking, I actually asked this question on the website today. I, I did a Steelers Burning Question article. I, I did this for today because I knew it was the title of our podcast. I just wanted to have this in the back pocket. And so I asked, have your, the reader's expectations changed for the 2023 Steelers? Not a ton of votes, about 250 as of right now. But 78%, 185 total votes said that, yes, my expectations are now higher. Only two people said they're now lower, and 21% said they haven't changed at all. So I thought that was pretty resounding. 78% of the people said that their expectations have gone up, just like Brian just mentioned that he, his expectations have gone up. So, Dave, it's your turn now. Same question. After everything that's happened have your expectations remain the same. And if they changed, which way they go.
2: Okay. Well, I, I have it here and officially because I was like, Oh, I know I have this right here here. That was last year's because I was looking back for something else, <laughs> uh, for, for, for stat geek. And you know what I found out from last year, I actually predicted the Steelers to go seven and two after the buy and lose to Cincinnati and Baltimore. The only thing I had wrong was which game they were going to lose to Baltimore. Mm. That's it. Um, and so I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting, but no, uh, Brian was right. Him and I both had 11 and six while Jeff had 14 and three. Now yeah, my expectations,
3: huh? what's that? I said, damn straight.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> I just hit the spring. I'm kind of like
3: the song. gong. The yeah. Engine. I'll do it again.
2: <laughs>
3: no, but I don't know. It's you getting. So anyway, it. now
2: you can't hear it. It was. It's the spiral notebook caught it. Yes. I'm that nerdy. I have my spiral notebook. So expectations. I'm going, you're, you're, going to, you're going to hate this there because go. you're going to call it a Dave answer, but you're going to kind of love it. My expectations as the overall final record of the regular season has not really changed, but my expectations of some specific things that I want to see from the Pittsburgh Steelers, particularly early in the season has changed. Does that make sense? <laughs> For an example, I <laughs> Jeff, I was I, I was I was catching up, I was traveling today, um, and and I was catching up on podcasts, and I got to finish up listening to to Wednesday's Let's Ride and some things of that nature. And I was listening to that let's ride, and I started to get really pumped. For the Steelers' defense, I think there was a huge range of what you could see from the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. And when you brought about – because it was the – how did you phrase it? Because it wasn't um, game –
3: was it game-changing? Lesser-known impact players. Impact players, that's what
2: it was. But it was the lesser-known – it wasn't the obvious guys. And you mentioned someone like uh, Keanu Benton. Yes. And I'm like, if Keanu Benton could become a force on that line – with cam with larry with tj with alex then if you and then you're talking about patrick peterson and his interceptions last year and i got to think about interceptions i'm like you know he had a lot minka had a lot levi wallace actually had a decent bit of interceptions mm-hmm. last Four. year demonte kz in his half of season with the steelers he had a lot of interceptions I'm like you could get it. You could have, if you have guys fighting for the ball in the secondary, and you got those, if, and if you get in play like that, and then you even said to Marvin like, I'll talking about him with, with mixing up, I'm like, you, does it really matter who's the middle linebackers at that point? You could be talking about a true dominant defense. Then, if any of those guys are playing well, my goodness, there is that killer P word potential for the defense. To be fantastic, but you have to assume that everything works out perfectly. But if ever and and we know that that doesn't always happen. But man, oh man, if it does and you start to see something, then then you're worried about that Canada and things like that. You don't have to worry about that as much if that defense is going out there and doing really special things. So I actually have higher expectations now for the for the Steelers defense this year than what I did earlier, and. Jeff, I have to say that was thanks to you and your Let's Ride show on Let's
3: (laughs) My one listener. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. (laughs) Oh, Brian. Yeah, I listened to it too. too.
2: And also, I did want to say one thing that Brian said. Have we had a report that Cole Holcomb will have the green dot? I just know that he had it when he was in Washington, so we assume that he's a good candidate for it this year.
1: You know what I I actually uh I think
2: that. I think that's what you meant by that, right Brian? Yes. Yeah. You okay.
1: know, he's a, he is a green dot player, but and I would assume it cuz Miles Jack mm-hmm. had it last year, right, at yeah. one point. And mm-hmm. Jack did have it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. If I'm going to make a comment on everything that Dave said and what Jeff's saying as well is like where on this roster, what position group is worse than it was last year? And I really, I mean, if I stretch, I could probably say possibly wide receiver, but I don't think so. I think wide receiver position is better. And I could say possibly safety because they lost Edmonds, but man, you brought in Keanu Keanu Neal and you brought in, you know, and you're keeping DeMonte KZ. And then you could say, well, defensive line got older, well. Defensive line might have got older, but it's getting younger too, with the Marvin Leal on the mix. And I love I think the dancing bear Keanu Benton's gonna be special.
0: Yeah.
1: I really do. I mean, you might not see it until year two, but you're gonna see glimpses of it. So inside linebacker. We I just talked a long time about that being the weakness. And if that's the weakness, then you might not be in as bad shape. Do you really think? that they'd have not upgraded from Devin Bush and miles Jack. I think they
3: did. Don't forget Bobby it's, Spillane too. Yeah. and it, yeah. But that one's it's the true. big
2: unknown because of so much more turnover. I mean, that, 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 yeah, you could say a cornerback there was as well, but yeah. not like inside linebacker. That was a huge mix up. and, you don't want to get too excited over football in shorts, but they—I'm going to be intrigued if the Steelers are—and for all you know, he's someone who doesn't even make the 53. Or do they find a way to use Tanner Muse as a as a linebacker? That's really the coverage specialist. Does he become what Robert Spillane was brought in to do early in the season when Spillane came on the field and the other two went off on passing downs? I don't know if he can be that player, but man, imagine if he is.
3: A lot of what we're saying in terms of potential downfalls of the defense is going to come down to one thing, the defensive front. Yeah. Like like Dave, you said it. I've said it a million times. You could have the most mediocre. You could have had last year's linebacking core, Miles Jack, Devin Bush, Bobby Spillane. And if you had a really good defensive front that is not letting the lineman climb to the second level, they're making tackles. And they're not running wild in the secondary. Likewise, if you have TJ Watt that's healthy and doesn't tear his pectoral muscle in week one, trying to sack Joe Burrow, they don't have enough time to deliver the pass downfield. And now all of a sudden your secondary looks a hell of a lot better. So Mm -hmm. the defensive front is going to ultimately dictate how good or bad this defense is. I think they've made some upgrades, both in the draft. I think bringing Larry Ogunjobi back and being healthy is going to be a really big get for the Steelers. We hope Cam Hayward can continue to play a high level, but we shall see in terms of the me answering this question briefly, my expectations actually haven't changed because I actually had really high hopes for this, this whole team after the draft, because I love the draft class, a player that really, which is kind of humorous to me, that I think is going to have a really great year that no one's really talking about right now is Joey Porter. Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no one is Everyone's yeah. in love with Corey Trice because he had the one practice with the pass breakup and like two picks or something. Because when and, you
2: have a seventh round draft pick and it seems he like he's it, going he to make it, the, the it, roster, that's a big deal. That's why. Yeah.
3: But I listened to Patrick Peterson and other veterans and they all say the same thing. Joey Porter Jr. Is going to be really good. And if you watch these videos, and I put all these little videos in the recap article that runs on the website the day after. There'll be one tomorrow on Friday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. And you see, what do you see? Patrick Peterson is literally has Joey Porter in his hip pocket, and they are walking through stuff. He is just helping him every chance he gets. That is going to pay dividends. It really, really is. And I think he's going to have a role on this defense. I think he's going to be good. I think the Steelers got to steal good, right? and the other
1: thing that we're not talking about with joey porter jr is thank goodness he was not a number one pick yeah and because well, yes, it's yes the and whole, no yeah. well well the only thing is you know you don't get that that extra year yeah and i get that but what really one it's driving the man he's going to be more driven because he was snubbed by most every team just the teams that did not snub him were the ones that the uh, Steelers snubbed him at first, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Rams and the teams that did not have a first round pick might have snubbed him. I mean, it didn't snub him. You can't say that. But the other thing about this guy is the fact that he's a number two pick. He is not going to have the expectations that Terrell Edmonds had to deal with and had to overcome the uh, his last couple years because there are so many people throwing the B word on him. And you don't have to worry about that because if Terrell Edmonds and we talked about this ad nauseum, if he was a number two pick, people would have loved him so much more and he would have not had the pressure on him. I'm not saying that he had pressure, but he would have not had the criticism that everybody gave him because he
3: was a number one pick. And it's not his fault. Yeah, it's, it's not, not his, fault. his fault that he was drafted in the first round. No, yeah. The dude was on the can when they called his name. He didn't even expect to get picked. Yeah. I've been on the can in great moments in my life. At least we're not talking about Omar Khan shower stories today. Are we? <laughs> no. no, no, that was Frank Webb, not Omar. Khan. That's a different shower story altogether.
1: <laughs> I think in the shower all
2: the time. That's my best time.
3: We yeah, have not about other deeds, Brian. Not about other dudes. <laughs> that's just me though. I mean, the oh, When I'm so being frothy, Jeff. <laughs> Hey, the Beehive Shower Room. I heard there's some stories be told there about Brian Anthony oh, Davis. That's what I heard. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All I right. feel like no. I need antibiotics just thinking about it. <laughs> 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 All right. We are going to take a quick break for those on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Watching us live. We're not going anywhere. We'll be right back after a second. If you're on the audio side, we'll be right back after this break Welcome to the second half of the show. We talked about the expectations for the Steelers in 2023. Before we get to trivia, I just want to get your all's thoughts about you want to throw in OTA's phase three, that's fine, but really just mandatory mini camp. Was there anything that jumped out at you when you saw some of the photos, saw the video, anything like that? Dave, we'll start with you.
2: Uh how different it is from training camp with what can get reported and how it has to be um I know this isn't the answer you were looking for, but this is what jumps out at me. When we get to training camp, we can hear about every play that's done in seven shots. I mentioned this on Stat Geek this morning. Right now with OTAs, the only thing they can talk about is if a player confirms something and says it in an interview or a coach afterwards. So you're not really getting nearly as much. Like, you know, some people were, you know, someone said in the live chat about, oh, Joey Porter Jr. getting first team reps. Do we really did it really say anything confirmed that he was? or was it speculation? It's really tough to get the information. When did we get to training camp, it's so different with those kind of things. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'd like to know more about it. And at training camp, anyone can get a free ticket and go watch practice. And that's not the case at OTAs. So if you really want to know what's going on, OTAs, it's it, that's not what it is. So to me, my biggest takeaway is I can't wait till I get better information.
3: OK, that's fine. No, that's your <laughs> not is. what
2: you were looking for. No, but
3: I know, but I can't <laughs> tell you what your takeaway is. So that's fine. That's your takeaway. Brian, what about you? Anything that jumped out the screen?
1: Yeah, it's imports and the people that the Pittsburgh Steelers have brought in have been seem to be amazing leaders right now especially Patrick Peterson and you know he can have an average to above average season but not a pro bowl season and still pay so many dividends and that is the same with Allen Robinson we were talking about this on here we go the Steelers show or we'll be talking about it tomorrow and that is something that you know if that guy gets you four touchdowns you know 400 yards something like that but he's doing what he's doing i mean the way he's talking about the other players the way he's talking about kenny pickett it seems like he's a veteran presence this team has a veteran presence that they have not felt in a long time on this team and it's not just a veteran presence that is uh is there like they had in the Villanueva days, and the DeCastro days, those guys were quiet veterans. And, you know, T.J. Watt is a quiet veteran. He's a locker room leader, a quiet leader. But he's not rah-rah. But you have guys that have become spokesmen for the team, especially Patrick Peterson, that it is really showing up. And you feel, when you hear Patrick Peterson talk and the way he's talking about this team, you would think that he was drafted by this team. And he's been here all his life.
3: Yeah, that's kind of the direction I was going to go outside of the fact that Steelers had great attendance uh there were no yep. ma- there were no like major injuries you still hear reports about a player that shares an ACL and minicamp and that's literally the, the worst case scenario so to piggyback what Brian said I took away uh that the fact that the Steelers you know my gosh you're hearing about Stefan Diggs up in Buffalo who's there but he's leaving and there, there's no, I just really weird situations. Steelers are not one of those teams. Thank you very much. I appreciated that during mini camp. I do want to ask real quick before we get to a trivia. Did you all get to see any of the clips? I have not listened to all of it yet. The all things covered. That's Brian McFadden, former Steeler, his cousin, Patrick Peterson, current Steeler with Troy Polamalu on their podcast. Have you seen any of those clips floating around Twitter by chance? Dave, Brian,
2: I saw the one of of McFadden reading the letter that Troy that wrote was, him.
3: That that's was the,
2: that's the part that I saw. Yeah. And Gosh. I was in Brian McFadden mode, just like he was when he was trying to read it.
3: Well, Troy that, was there too. Troy was crying yeah. as he's talking about what it meant to him. Brian, did you see any of those clips?
1: I, I heard about the clips and it's on my to-do list, but I've got, I still have to listen to the stat geek this week
3: yeah that's, had this to me thing. that's yeah, more important yeah <laughs> i get it i get it um all things covered doesn't pay the bills <laughs> Yeah, and,
1: and Dave
3: Schofield makes me
4: cry
1: and yes. inspires me to tears all the time
3: there was a the one of the coolest clips because they asked everything and i need to listen to the whole thing because i've just seen the clips on twitter but they asked troy about you know when did he know he was done like his career was over um did he consider going to Tennessee with Dick LeBeau at the end of his career? But one I thought was really awesome was they asked Troy what his favorite plays were. What were some of his favorite plays and in, in typical Troy fashion, you know, he's never going to take center stage. He said they were the plays that I made that opened up something for someone else. And he told a story about in the 05 divisional round against the Colts. You all know Joey Porter's what it should have been right. The game clenching sack. Troy Palomalu says he sees that there's only one second left on the play clock. He blitzes up the middle, clogs the middle of the line, which frees up Joey Porter, and Joey Porter gets the sack. He said, That was my favorite play. I didn't make it. I made it for someone else. Me rushing the quarterback the way I did, timing it up properly, allowed Joey Porter to win his matchup. That was just awesome. Uh, it was. And they actually show this. I shared it on the Steel Curtain Network uh, Twitter feed. If you want to check it out, they actually show the play you as Troy's talking about. It. It's really cool. Um,
2: I don't I often see tell, that.
3: I yeah, I don't often tell people to go and check out other podcasts. But how can you not tell someone to go listen to Troy Polamalu talk? He doesn't do a lot of. St- a lot of that type of stuff. So I always love hearing him talk and he's so humble. It's always a different perspective than what you're normally hearing on these podcasts. So, all right, just want to bring that up. Only See, reason
1: I watched the movie Moana
3: because he was villager number two. I still, I've, I've seen that movie probably 2000 times with my daughter. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And every time it's that scene, I'm like, okay, which one's Troy can never pick it out. <laughs> never pick it up it's when the fish are dying and they're trying to figure out what's going on and i'm like which one's Troy?" and yeah, missed it again <laughs> so i don't know um but he is in the movie supposedly so anyways dave has trivia brian do you have trivia gotta ask i absolutely do Yay. Oh boy! all right brian go ahead you do your trivia first
1: all right a lot of people are uh freaking out because the uh the Steelers have their top three draft picks not signed yet, especially their number one pick, Broderick Jones. And just like Dave just went, uh, and you know what? I'm glad he did because that is not a problem these days. That means nothing, but some people are freaking out about it. Now there was a time in my fandom where you had a sweat over number one draft picks, not coming to camp. Um, of course we know Rod Woodson was one of them. I mean, it took him a long time to get to camp, but he was actually uh there was he was also in the conversation to be an Olympic hurdler as well in his rookie year of 1987, but he missed basically one half of that 1987 season. But there was a guy in the Chuck Noah era that that basically told Chuck Noah that He was not going. He didn't know if he was going to play for the Steelers, and they might have regretted drafting him at this time. And instead, he decided that he was just going to go paint houses for a living, and he did that for a little bit until he came to the Pittsburgh Steelers, came to his senses, and signed with the team. What number one draft pick was that?
3: The Chuck Nolera. Yes.
2: Now, did he did he still sign that same year? Yes. Hmm.
3: That is not my era. I'll tell you that.
2: Hmm. Look, I'm just I'm thinking of all those number one draft. I okay. So Chuck Knoll. I'm going to say this. I'm going to guess '80s. Yes. Okay. So I'm guessing '80s because it just doesn't sound like that with 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 '70s. So I'm trying to go through. Um, because I don't think it was Mark Malone. He was 1980. Um, there was there was Keith Gary.
1: Now he held out for two years. He went to Montreal.
2: Yeah, right.
1: The Alouettes, and when he yeah. came in, but that's and- not who
2: you're talking about, right? No. With this one, no. Okay, um, but he held out too. Eighty two. Who I can't remember. I know eighty three. Eighty two was, was
1: Abercrombie.
2: Abercrombie. Okay. Eighty three was Rivera. They were talking about him on Steel City Insider this week. Um. So I, I don't think it was any of them. Um Louis Lips was the year after that. I don't think it was Louis Lips. Nope. If it was, I'd be disappointed because he was my favorite player when I was young. I'm trying to think. Because you said number one pick. I don't know that I can pick. name the rest of the number. Because Woodson was 87. It wasn't him. Um. 89 was when they had two. It wasn't one of the two, was wasn't it? It wasn't one of them. Okay. So it's either gotta be 88. I don't remember who their first round pick was because I know I know Durmonte Dawson was their second round pick.
1: Air Aaron Jones was the number one pick in 88.
2: Oh uh, it's not Aaron Jones. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember who that is. Um, let's go with <sighs> Jeff. Any idea?
4: Nope. wasn't... It was- it-
2: Well let's go with wasn't um oh wasn't it Sims that was a number one pick? Daryl
1: Sims, 1985. No. And it's not okay, that's what I was
2: gonna go with. I can't think of who else any of them was.
1: Let's do 1986. He was an offensive lineman. I believe oh, I believe he was a very high pick. I think he was number nine overall, if I'm
2: not mistaken. Oh, if it's number nine, it's gotta be um 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 uh Renstra. John Renstra. Okay.
1: Yeah. Out of temple, I was he out of temple, I
2: believe. Um, hold on. Let me let me see if I can find anything about I him. Believe real quick. It'll take was. me. It. Uh so. I believe you. You said what year? 85? 86.
1: 86.
2: 86. 86. Um, eventually it's got a load. Who else was in that draft? Who else did they take in 86? Anyone else that um...
1: 80, 86 was actually their right, draft?
2: Oh, that was Bubby Brister. Yeah, <laughs> Bubby was right Bubby was third. Yeah. Yeah, Renstra was he was because he was one the reason I remember the name is because he was a top 10 offensive lineman. He was picked number nine, you were right. And it was Temple. You're correct. Who was number two?
1: Since since
2: um Gerald Williams, nose tackle. Good, very
1: good player for that team. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. All right, Jeff, you could come back in now.
2: (laughs) All right. I I was just trying to go process of elimination of he said first round and I just, and I went with eighties and yeah, I tried.
3: So who was the last drafted player the Steelers took from temple? Do you know that one? I actually, well, I have one in mind. I don't know if there was one since I can hold on. Give me a second. Brian. Temple. Well, I, I'm thinking of dirty red.
2: It, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it would be dirty red.
3: That's what I'm thinking. It, Tyler Maticavage.
1: Now yeah. they had two draft picks, that uh, one that verbally committed to Temple but never went there. Kenny Pickett.
3: Kenny Pickett. And
1: oh. they had another one that played Wait. at Temple, that was,
2: transferred. two from year. you, right? Who was it? Was was Quincy? Uh, Roche but Roche but he, yeah, t- yeah, and you're then right. went to Miami? He, went to t- yeah, he went yeah. Temple, but yeah.
3: entered as a Hurricane. Yep, he did. Yeah. So, I'm right, not, that's my I'm not yeah, seeing welcome.
2: anyone else since um I'm going back. Yeah, I don't see anyone else that I've come across temple before 2016. So, you might be right there, Jeff.
3: I think I am. All right.
2: My mine's mine's a little bit easier because I had to try to do it right before the show cuz I literally got home 10 minutes before I got on the on here with you guys. We, we, Brian's talked about this. Many of us have mentioned it. We have two players for the Steelers this year that are very close to the all time Steelers sack record. What is the Steelers' all time sack record? Good, Brian. What's the number?
1: 80.5.
2: Yes, by James Harrison. And right now, currently, second place is it's Cam. Game a second, two behind, and TJ's three behind. Yeah, so that's what it really all all comes down to. But here's my question: Now, remember, they only started counting um, sacks as an individual statistic. I do believe it was 1982, but places like Pro Football Reference have gone back and and retroactively awarded sacks to players because they were counted as a team stat. They just weren't to individuals. So going back to to that time, that's regular season. Who's the Steelers' all-time leading – who leads the Steelers in sacks all-time in the postseason? L.C. Greenwood. That's correct. It would be L.C. Greenwood. Do you know how many? Just
3: postseason? Just postseason. Well, gosh, he had what? Didn't he have like five or it, six in one game?
1: He had four in Super was, Bowl. Super man. Bowl. Yeah. He would um, have. The, that's not recognized as the record in it, but.
3: No, because it wasn't an individual stat right. yet. Yep.
2: Yeah.
3: So, man, he's played in a lot of playoff games. I'll go with 21. Wow, that'd be crazy. In just postseason? Yeah. He's played in a lot of games. The... I'll, I'll go with 12. It's 12 and a half. Well, he had four in one game. I'm thinking to shoot if he has a couple in a game. But, so, yeah, but okay. postseason
2: sacks are hard to come by. There's only they, also, they also
3: didn't have as many games. Yes. Okay. There's
2: there's there's only three players on the Steelers. Because we'll remember, before 1972, they only had one playoff game they got shut out. Right. Um, so we really are talking from 72 on. There are only three members of the Steelers with double-digit playoff sacks. One is Elsie Greenwood. Do you know the other two?
1: I'm going to actually go out on a limb here. Lamar Woodley.
2: Lamar Woodley has 11.
3: Is there more? How many did you say that word? And there's
2: one more that has double-digit playoff sacks. Uh,
3: th- James Harrison would be too easy, so I don't think it's him.
2: Uh, you would be wrong if you think it's not him. It is <laughs> him? It is. Yes, okay. it's Harrison. Because if you want to go all-time sacks as, as, as a member of the Steelers and include the postseason, these guys got a way to go because James Harrison had, had 11 for the postseason. Who do you think is the current postseason sack leader for the Steelers? Meaning active. What active player?
3: Cam. Cam.
2: Okay. Four. It's actually a four-way tie because nobody has more than one. Ugh. There are four players on currently on the Pittsburgh Steelers that have one postseason sack. Can you name those four players? You just named one of them. T.J. Watt. So T.J. Watt.
3: Cam more, Hayward, Cam
2: Hayward, Alex Highsmith, Alex Highsmith had a sack. Oh, so these Patrick are current Burns. players still
3: on current players
2: on the ninety man roster right now.
3: There's one more. It's got to be someone like it's got to be someone lesser known, right?
2: I'm probably.
3: Oh, then it, then it's not Maker like, no, like, like Isaiah Loudermilk or something.
2: <laughs> You're close. <laughs> You're not that far off. Montrevious Adams. You are correct. Montrevious <laughs> Adams had a sack in that game yes! against against Kansas City. We re- really want to forget that game. But you got to remember, see, T.J. Watt, he's 10 sacks behind James Harrison in postseason. So if you want to total them both, and the thing with T.J. Watt, and I was thinking, oh, I remember his sack. He scored a touchdown. No, that wasn't a sack. That was just a yeah, fumble man. recovery. T.J. Watt's one postseason sack came with less than five minutes left in their last playoff game when the score was already 42-21. to So I would love nothing more for the Steelers to get back to the postseason so you can have guys like T.J. Watt show what they can do on the biggest stage in the postseason.
3: Yeah, there you go. Good stuff, as always. Um, All right. Let's do some final thoughts. Uh, Brian, do you want to go first? I will defer to Dave. Dave is oh, go.
2: oh my goodness. I was like, oh, great. Brian could go. I, I have five minutes to, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> get mine together. Uh, fi- final thoughts. All right. Somebody said it here in the live chat because it was the answer to my first of many trivia questions tonight. How in, for, for the love of all that is good and holy, how is Elsie Greenwood not in the hall of fame? This it's a shame that he's not there. It's a shame that he was not that that he's no longer with us, that he could uh, take part in that ceremony. That's why when they were doing the, the, the big class that uh, where Donnie shell went in, I was really hoping Donnie shell would get chosen because you want someone like that to go in while they're still with us. And we as Steelers fans know that too much just, just with the whole Jersey retirement that just happened last season, where days ahead of time, we the Steelers Nation lost Franco Harris before he could be a part of that. That sometimes you you know don't take that for granted. The the people that are around, plenty of us have talked about losing Stan Saverin this week. My my brother and I pretty much did our entire show Tuesday reminiscing about. About the the media and people in our family and everything that that shaped our Steelers fandom, so the, the it is kind of important, and, and that's why I like you guys like to you know maybe we too much want to crack a joke at the expense of Bill Hillgrove. I'm going to be really sad when you know because some you know he's really one of the one, one of the last ones that's around. Um, that's going to be a sad day. We, you know any when we lose member of of the Rooney family. So sometimes you you look at that. And you just want to say, make sure you you appreciate who you have while you have them, especially going into this Father's Day weekend. Um, it's 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 a it, once again this year. It's it's a tough time at my family because even though it's been just over a year, my, my it's still recent enough that it's really tough on my wife who lost her father. That. Uh, whether it's whether it's your dad, whether it's your mom, whether you have grandparents, appreciate those that, that that you have with you now.
1: Good stuff, Brian. Go ahead. I hate to reiterate and but this will be my first public comments on the passing of Stan Saverin. I have not I have not even tweeted anything about it. I haven't put anything on social media. I haven't had a chance to be on a show yet. And that's news that just kind of ripped me to the core because even in the last couple years, if I'm not listening listening to a Still Curtain Network podcast as my job as podcast producer, if I'm not listening to all of those shows, I was listening to either The Fan or I was listening to uh, ESPN. And Stan Saverin was the guy that I, I could be listening to anything else. But when 12 o'clock came around, I knew I had maybe about two minutes to get there before the godfather came on and when you listen to this guy he had he had long pauses but you just waited for that pause to end because you knew something brilliant was coming and it's very easy for us to talk about how somebody was brilliant you know after they're gone but i i talked a lot about stan saverin during his career because i was a latchkey kid at one point my parents worked and i came home and I would watch. I would turn on WTAE in Pittsburgh at the time, and I would uh, at four o'clock it was Three's Company. At four thirty, it was WKRP. Five o'clock, it was either MASH or Cheers, and then All in the Family, and then the six o'clock news. And you would, you would, uh, you know, throughout the years, you know, I know Stan was there. Stan was, you know, different places, but he was the kind of guy that I you know, I kind of trusted and listened to. And then we had KBL when we were searching for pirates games to watch. And then at six o'clock in my college years, you listened to Stan and it was Stan and guy, or it was sports beat. It was always something different. And he would do that monologue at the end. Uh, he would do that closing. He would do his final thoughts at the end. And I was always riveted. I loved it. I had a chance to meet a lot of announcers, a lot of uh, I've had a chance to shake hands with Tunch, Bill, never met Myron, never met Jack Fleming. I met I met Stan Saverin once. And I tell you what, one of the most gracious guys and everything they're talking about. He was one of the best. And I remember he asked a question a couple years ago about Sports Illustrated when Andrew McCutcheon was on the cover and he was trying to figure out why the date was different, and I sent him a text, and I explained it, and he sent me back a really nice text, and he's one of those guys that, uh, like Dave said, you've got to cherish these guys that you have, and man, don't take them for granted. Wow, I I was at a loss when I found out about Stan Saverin. My boss would not let me call off work for that, but I thought about it
3: yeah good stuff as always and uh yeah sports beat standing guy love the show uh that's embedded in my brain as a child so um that was appointment viewing every single day uh when standing guy were on the show together so good stuff as always uh gentlemen good show as always uh we'll be back next week dave why don't you send us out hey we'll see you next week on another episode of the steelers preview take it